Praise God. We're ready to get started. I can tell you guys we're trembling in excitement and anticipation. All right. Well, this morning we're going to minister in a little bit different direction than we've been going the last uh, few weeks. We've been going for the last four weeks in the book of Romans, and we're going to continue that series. But today I want to take some time and... uh, and just get into something I think God's been putting on my heart, and uh, I'm sure you guys will will uh, appreciate it as well. But uh, I want to minister you this morning on uh, doing stuff in God's timing. I've entitled the message, In God's Timing. When God is not moving as fast as you expected. Anybody ever been in a situation where you thought something was going to go different than the way it's actually going? You thought that... Uh, you know, there's, there's all these times we, we have these plans in our head about how things are going to work and how things are going to go. And uh, they don't always work out that way. And especially it's stuff that we know this is God moving in our life. We know this is what God has planned for us. But it's still not going like you expected. And you thought it was going to move faster. And, and primarily today I want to talk about, about the church and our growth and how that's working out. But this applies to many areas in our lives and not just in, in church growth. But that's primarily what I wanted to deal with today. The truth is that sometimes our way is not God's way. You know, I remember when we first started this off and, you know, there's the one part of me knew that it wasn't going to, you know, open the doors and the house be flooded. But on the other hand, there was that hope that like, yeah, let's just get going. We're going to be three weeks in. We're going to have a mega church already and we'll be good to go. Now, obviously, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but that's part of, you know, uh, you know, sometimes I look and I and I. I'm so thankful for what we have, but at the same time, I'm like, man, we're coming up on a year. You know, I, I was hoping that, that, that we'd be growing faster. But the truth is, my way is not God's way. And, and the truth is, if it would have happened like that, we would have probably collapsed under our own weight already. You know, the thing is, we live in a, a fast food and microwave generation. Everything is instant, from our oatmeal and rice to even our abs. You know, you watch TV commercials. <laughs> Six-pack abs in three and a half days. I mean, everything is instant in our society nowadays, right? <laughs> you remember those, uh, they had it for a while, the little electrodes you put on your stomach that was supposed to work you out? I remember watching a, uh, a TV show, and it's got, a, I don't remember who it was, but he's this big fat guy, no shirt on, and he's got his things on, and he's got like a sub on his stomach, and he's eating something in his hand, and he's talking on the phone. They're like, what you doing? He's like, working out. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, we expect everything to move as fast as we want it to move. It's on our timetable. And when it's not working the way that we thought it would, our first inclination is to, one, wonder if, is God really in this? Is this what God really wants? Is God really there? Is God still with us? So today's message is going to be one of encouragement. It's to remind us that even though things aren't going the way we might have thought it would have, the truth is that God's still with us, and it's His plan, and we're going to continue to trust Him and move, according, move forward according to His plan and purpose for our lives. Amen? We're going to keep pressing forward with our eyes on Him, just full of hope. And, and, and hope, like I said uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, or maybe last week, hope is actually our confidence in God, and we're going to continue to trust Him. Because the truth is, God's with us. I have no doubt that, that God has plans for Living Hope Family Church here in Morana. He has plans for this city. He's with us. And the truth is... Is, is if we take a step back, we can actually see how much he's already moved. Even though sometimes it seems like nothing's changed and for, for you know, months. But the truth is it has, and things are moving, and things are going. And We're going to take a look at, at, at what about God's timing 
this morning. So let's go ahead and take a moment to uh, pray before we dwell into his word. Father, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for your great love poured out towards us. Father, we thank you that we have the opportunity to spend time in your word and learn more about you, that you still speak to us this day through your word, Father, that we can hear you loud and clear, Father, that you've made known your will through your son, Father, and we don't have to be confused on whether you love us or whether you're with us or whether that you want us to prosper or do well, Father. Lord, I thank you that this morning we'd all be encouraged by the message, by your word. Our faith would grow, our eyes would be open, Lord, and that you would touch each and every heart in this room. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the first scripture I want to look at is Galatians 5, through 25. And we have up here, it says, patience is a fruit. You know, the truth is that patience is one of the fruits of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, through 25, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. <laughs> I can hear you over there laughing silently. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit are what's produced in our lives through the working of the Holy Spirit. You know, if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord as our sa- and our Savior, then we have these things inside of us. You know, the apples on an apple tree did not get hung there by somebody. Reading a story, there was a young boy who planted an apple tree in his backyard, and he walks up to his dad and says, all right, now we've got the apple tree, now we just have to hang the apples on it. <laughs> you know, we don't hang apples on an apple tree like they're Christmas ornaments, but they're actually produced from within the tree. The, the nourishment is pulled up through the roots and through the, through the vine, through the branches, through the trunk, and out to the branches, and fruit is produced. And if you remember, Jesus said that we are the branches, and he is the vine, he is the trunk, and through us drawing through him, through the Holy Spirit, we produce fruit. So if you ever say that, you know, I'm not really a loving person or a kind person, or I'm not really a joyful person or peaceful or any of these things, you're wrong. Because the truth is that you've been given a new life inside of you and it's Jesus Christ who lives through you. And these things are who you are. You know, there was a time that I didn't think I was very much of a, a social person. Like I didn't like to be around a lot of people. And the truth is, God has worked in me and changed that with me. And I love being around people because that's God living inside of me and not my old self trying to pull me down, trying to live through me. Then it says here that those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified, (laughs) have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. You say, but I haven't been crucified with Christ. Yes, you have, by faith. We have been crucified with Christ. And what that means is the old person that you were has been dead, is dead. They died. We had a funeral. And that's what baptism is. It's a a good old-fashioned funeral. Burying your old self and out of the water rises your new self. It symbolizes the death, burial, and resurrection of your old self. And since that new man is dead, all those desires and passions, like it says here, the flesh with its passions and desires have died with him. So when those, those things creep up in your life, they have no right to be there. That man is dead. He's gone. They have no right to be there. These are what's being produced in your life through the Holy Spirit working inside of you. But see, the problem that we have is intellectually, in our head, on paper, we know this to be true. 
you know, we understand that this is what the Bible says. Look, I can read it right there. But we don't have a revelation in our heart of what that really means. We haven't really grabbed hold of that promise. You know, I've, I was reading about a tree that was planted beside the, on a corner of a house. And if you plant a tree there, the parts that, that get sunlight, get full sunlight, will grow and bloom. And you'll see awesome flowers as the, as the trees flower and you'll see fruit produced. But if you plant part of it on the other side of the house, as part of it grows around the house and it doesn't get any sunlight then that particular part of the tree will actually look much worse than the part that's getting sunlight. The flowers will be uh, a shadow of what is on the other side. They'll be wilted and the fruit won't be as, as plentiful, as large as the other side. And the same goes with us. If there's at any time that we ignore or turn away from Jesus, we, we move ourselves from the sunlight of God, His light shining into us, then that can happen in us. Our fruit begins to shrivel and is smaller than it should be. The truth is that this is who you are in Jesus Christ. Him working through you, this is who you are. You are patient. You are loving. You are kind. You are joyful. You have peace. As long as we don't turn away and run away from those promises of God, as long as we don't turn away and not let God's light shine through us, then those things is who we are. But the big one that we're talking about today is patience. And patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Who has problems in tolerating delay? Anybody have lack of patience at times? I remember when, we, when I was growing up, the church that I went to, we played paintball. with The, the guys would get together. It was kind of like our men's meeting. We'd go out and play paintball. And the church actually bought a big CO2 tank, and they'd buy big boxes of paint, and, and we'd buy it at cost. And we'd go out in the desert, and play paintball. And always, always it went the young guys versus the old guys. And always, always the young guys would get stomped. And the main difference is, is because the old guys could sit in a tree for hours and not move. They just had patience. They were waiting. And us, you know, we're in our teenagers. We're all young. We ain't got, we ain't got time for that. We're out there looking for them. Next thing you know, pop, 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 pop. You're all bruised, <laughs> covered in paint. You see, patience is that ability to just accept delay, to tolerate delay. And we need that in our spiritual walk as well. Sometimes we need to be able to just sit and wait. So that's what this message is, is to encourage that patience in us as we continue to grow, as we continue to move forward. Is uh, We're just going to continue to have patience and watch with anticipation to what God's going to do with us. Amen. In James 1, 2 through 4, it says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let that endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. Trials are a, kind of a funny thing in our life. Because sometimes they're just part of, of being human. It's part of living on this earth. Sickness, accidents, disappointments, you know, and all to various degrees. You know, we have some, some, some things that even seem like tragedies on this earth that are just the trials that we go through as part of living here on this earth, as part of living in a broken and fallen world. And then there are some, just because you're a Christian, 
You know, you're going to encounter various persecutions because you're a Christian. And especially as things are moving forward, as you're pressing on for the kingdom of heaven, you're going to start to see the enemy press back against you more as well. You know, if, you, if you're walking and you don't see the enemy walking against you, you might want to check and make sure you're not walking the same direction he is. Because otherwise, you should be walking against the enemy. He should be pushing back against you, especially if we're getting ready to do something great for the kingdom of heaven. You know, he doesn't want you to be successful. He doesn't want you to go out there and... Maybe the truth is, he doesn't want us to reach this city. The devil doesn't want us to reach the lost and the broken in this city. And he's going to do things to try to push against that. As we meet new people, he's going to interfere in their life and, and, and try to convince them, no, it's just easier to stay in bed. It's just easier to do these things. The enemy is going to press back against what we're doing. Amen? But the Bible says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Now that's always been a tough one for me because I can't think of a time I was excited when things were rough, when things were going hard. You know, it's easy to be excited when things are going good. God blessing you. God is touching you. And I think at all points in our life, we have aspects of our life that do both. There's some areas where things are going great and some areas where it's tough. And we're struggling and we're asking God, where are you? What's going on? But the truth is that even in these trials, we should rejoice and be joyful because it's these things that actually help us to grow. Your, strength, your, your faith can never be strengthened if it's never tested, if it's never pushed against. And God doesn't ever send calamity into your life. When you're going through a tough time, tough time, God is not sending that your way to try to, to make your life tough. He's not the one doing it. But he will use those circumstances, <laughs> those circumstances to strengthen you. I, was, I didn't know this, but I just found out. You guys know the biosphere that we have just up the road here? When they first started that in the uh, early 1990s, they were able to simulate any type of, of climate in the biosphere. They could simulate, you know, uh, the desert. They could simulate snow. They could simulate, you know, every range of climate. But the only thing that they couldn't simulate was wind. You know, in that tiny dome, they couldn't simulate wind. And they found that what was happening was is the trees, the ones that were growing, no matter where they were in the desert, the rainforest, ever, especially the ones that were growing fast, like in the rainforest areas, and, uh, they would grow, but without any wind, the branches were never tested. And eventually, the branches got so big, they just began to snap under their own weight. Because they never had to, to, to strengthen. The wind never blew against them. They never had to toughen up. You know, it's, it's kind of like when you, when you do push-ups. When you first start to do them, you can only do a few. I know, we've been doing insanity. I'm like, time to do girl push-ups because I can't keep up. Well, John does that. I don't. I always do regular push-ups. <laughs> Praise God. But, you know, you start off and you can only do a few. But as you begin to, to work and, and press your muscles, they begin to be able to do more. They begin to fight against that resistance. They become stronger. And many things in life are just a shadow of what goes on in the spiritual world. Things that happen in real life are a, are a, a type and shadow of what happens in the spiritual word, world. <laughs> Praise God, I'm having issues more than usual today, I think. Or at least I'm noticing them more than usual. But in the same thing, the spiritual world, when you test your faith, when you, when you have to persevere and, or endure, your, your faith is actually strengthened. It gets stronger. And you don't have to do the equivalent of girl push-ups in faith at some point. But you can actually do full-on, one-handed clap push-ups in faith. 
you know that when we go through this stuff, we're tested. Our, our, our faith is strengthened, and it, and it produces in us endurance. And endurance is that ability to, to continue to, to run without giving up. You know, endurance runners can run 26 miles without walking. And the really good ones can do it at like a four and a half minute mile pace, which I'm pretty sure is not natural. <laughs> but then there's also trials in our life that we kind of almost bring on ourselves. And I don't mean like we do stupid stuff to bring them on ourselves, but I think we put ourselves through trials like in a situation where the church isn't growing as fast as we maybe want it to. Because it's not really a trial. We're moving forward in, in the way things are going right now, but we, we almost make it a trial ourselves. We begin to, to put something on us that God never intended. Like uh, we, we think that uh, maybe we're not doing it right because we're not growing fast enough, or, or this isn't happening, so maybe we're messing up. We almost create a trial for ourselves when it's not even really a trial. You guys get what I'm trying to say? We kind of make it in our own head. It's, all, it's a problem in our own head when it's not actually a problem. And I think that's kind of where we, we can find ourselves if we're not careful looking at the church. I know in my own personal life, I have to remember that, that this is a great time for us and that God is moving. That, that truthfully, when I'm worried about it not growing fast enough or are we doing the right thing or are we doing enough or is God with us, it's all in my head. I've created this trial for myself. So instead, we have to make a choice to trust God because He is faithful. And we have to endure through it, which is the power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process without giving way. You know, it's not always going to be easy. Sometimes we're going to have to press forward and keep going. And we have a choice. We can either get frustrated and upset with God because it's not going our way, or we can continue to keep our faith and hope in Him. And then we can grow and the church can grow into the men and women of God that we are intended to be. The church can grow into the church that God intended it to be growing correctly instead of too fastly so that when, when tough times come, that we don't snap under our own weight, but that we're actually strengthened and ready to deal with it. Amen. Truth, the truth is we need to let God lead us instead of trying to lead God. In Proverbs 16.9, it says, The mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. You know, we can plan all we want, but it's ultimately God that's going to lay the steps of our lives when we trust in Him, and also the steps of this church. We can make all the plans we want, but if we're not in line with God, if our, if our thoughts and plans are not aligning with God's, it's going to be an effort and futility. You know, it would do us no good if we had, you know, 200 people in this room, but God wasn't with us. And in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. You know, leaning on God and not trusting in our own understanding is sometimes a hard thing to do. You know, in my own personal life, from the outside looking in, what we're doing here is crazy. Why would anybody move from all their friends and their family and being part of a large church that they love to go start a new work? in a city where they didn't know anybody, where they're 45 minutes to an hour from all of their friends and family. Why would somebody do that? It doesn't make any sense. But I didn't lean on my own understanding. Or why begin preparing to go into ministry full-time when my current career track would make me a whole lot more money than ministry is ever going to do? You know, as far as the world's concerned, 
you know, I'd be able to take care of my family better if I had more money. Or the time, putting time in the kingdom of heaven takes time away from your family as well because you're honoring God and working for Him, especially when you work a regular job. But I don't lean on my own understanding. And one of the crazier things I did, I had one semester left to finish my degree, a Bachelor of Science in Information Technology. But I stopped. I felt God telling me that you need to set that aside. You know, I, was, I don't know if I was creating a backup plan or if I was, you know, trying to put too much focus in something else, but one semester out. And at, at this point now, it's, it's past the time that I can't, I can't fix it. I can't, <laughs> there's no more getting that one. I'd have to start over again. That doesn't seem kind of, doesn't seem right. It doesn't make sense. But I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I'm trusting God. What about all of you guys, Monique, school going on? And you got the pastor saying, join the worship team. Let's do Bible studies. You know, if we lean on our understanding, that doesn't make sense. Why would I do that? I have to, I have other responsibilities. I have to get my schoolwork done. I have to do these things. Why would I do this? But we don't lean on our understanding. We trust God. There was a uh, brilliant ethicist named John Cavanaugh, and it says he went to work for three months at the House of the Dying in Calcutta. He was seeking a clear answer as to how to best spend the rest of his life. On the first morning, he met Mother Teresa, and she asked, What can I do for you? And Kevin asked her to pray for him. What do you want me to pray for, she asked. And he says he voiced the request that he had borne thousands of miles from the United States. Pray that I have clarity. And she said firmly, No, I will not do that. When he asked her why, she said, Clarity is the last thing you are clinging to and must let go of it. And then Kavanaugh commented that she always seemed to have clarity he longed for. And she laughed and said, I've never had clarity. What I've always had is trust. So I will pray that you'll begin to trust God. You know, we don't need to have all the answers. We don't need to know how everything's going to go. And truthfully, I've settled in my heart that even if we never grew, even this is all we ever were, we're going to keep moving forward and we're going to trust God. If this is what he has for us, then it is. Now, I don't believe that. I believe that God, God has placed a greater vision in my heart, and I believe in the hearts of all you guys too, as we're working towards something greater. But that being said, I would be willing to do this for the rest of my life, as we stand now. The thing is, when we trust God, he's going to make our way straight. Does it mean that we're not going to have any difficulties? No. Things are going to be tough. Our time is going to be strained. Our, our patience will be tested. But we're going to trust God and persevere as a church and as individuals. Amen? And He's going to be with us every step of the way. Because when God leads, sometimes things don't look the way that the world might say it should look or, or the way that your people that are with you would think it would look. When God leads, sometimes he does things a little bit different than how we would do them. Let's take a look at Exodus thirteen seventeen through 18. It says in 17, verse 17, it says, Now when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near, for God said, The people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Hence God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea. And the sons of Israel went up in a martial array from the land of Egypt. So the interesting part of this one, it says, God did not leave them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. You know, God was taking them to the promised land, and the shortcut, the straight route, was through the land of the Philistines. But the thing was, is that the, Egypt, or the Israelites were no, they've been in slavery 
for years and years and years. They were in no position to fight. They weren't an army. They were in no position to, to handle what would have happened in the land of the Philistines at that moment in their, in their lives. So God took them the long way around. God took them in a manner that they could grow and be strengthened instead of taking them to, to somewhere that would have been uh, instant and sure failure. Certain failure. You know, and I'm reminded as I look at how the church grows at what's gone, in, gone on in my life, even from back when we first started doing this Bible study, for two years we were trying to get a Bible study going and, and, and nothing was going. And I had uh, pastors actually prophesy, speak into my life, prophesy about my life, saying that, that uh, this isn't a time where God isn't moving. You feel like you're running in place, but really God is preparing you and getting you ready. And he was as he prepared me because, you know, if from the beginning, from day one, if we would have opened this church, I wouldn't have been prepared to, to lead a church. I wouldn't have been ready to do what needed to be done. And God's not going to lead you into a situation of, of certain failure. You know, in this situation, God was, was concerned that they would become fearful as they had to face the Philistines and would want to run back to Egypt to where they were safe as slaves. And as a matter of fact, even the difficulty that they did face, we saw that attitude come into it. Do you remember when they wanted to, to oh, why are we going to die in this wilderness? You saved us to die out here. If we could just go back to the leeks of the Egyptians. You know, many times they wanted to go back, and that was just with what they were dealing with, what God deemed that they could handle. They just weren't in a position to handle that kind of opposition. They wouldn't have been able to handle the Egyptians on one side and the Philistines on the other. And this applies the same to us. God's not going to put us in a position to fail. You know, would, would we be able to handle 200 people right now or, or a month ago that would come in with, with broken people of this world? We all come in with our own issues and stuff that we're struggling through. Would we have been in a position to handle that? Well, I believe that God is, is faithful and he knows what he's doing. You know, and we're growing and we're, we're being trained and we're, we're, we're coming together and growing together as, as a congregation and we'll be much better prepared to handle what's going to come at us as we move forward. Amen? So let's look at some examples where the plans of the Lord were definitely a lot more farsighted or took longer than we would expect. In Genesis 15, 4 through 5, it says, Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will go, come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens, count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Now we've been looking at this as we've gone through the book of Romans. This is Abram at the time. Abram's about 75 years old. Hasn't been renamed Abram yet. He's still Abram. And... Uh, Jesus says, or sorry, God says that, uh, that this man will not be your heir. Look towards the heaven and count the stars if you were able to count them. So shall your descendants be. Abram was promised a son at this point that was going to, to basically have descendants as num- numerous as the stars. Uncountable. 75 years old. Now, none of us would have thought this was a good plan at 75. Oh, but it gets worse because it doesn't happen like the next year. It takes 25 years before Isaac is actually born, the heir. That means that uh, Abram was 99 years old when he was conceived. He was 100 when he was born. Sarah was about 90 years old. Any of you guys planning on having a baby at 90? 
I mean, this not the kind of plans that we would make. And then it took seven, or 25 years. I mean, I can't even fathom. I mean, at about year five, I'd be like, maybe I misheard him. Maybe I misunderstood. That's the last time I have warm goat milk before I go to bed. You know, there's something that, that was going on. And then we look at Joseph, another one. This one takes 17 years for the promise to be fulfilled. Genesis 37, 5 through 7. Then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Please listen to this dream which I have had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose up and also stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. You know, God promises, gives Joseph this vision that his brothers would actually be kneeling down to him. And we've talked about Joseph before. You remember what he went through, right? Ticks his brother off because he probably shouldn't have shared this vision. He's been a little cocky with his brothers. He's like 17 years old and uh, not being real mature. How many know that if God would have made it happen right then, Joseph wouldn't have been able to handle it? Joseph wouldn't have had the maturity or the wisdom to do what he does in in another, I believe it's uh, 17 years. Sorry, 24 years passed in this whole time check my notes here so it took 24 years for joseph to be raised up into a man that could handle what god had planned for his life because if it would have happened when he was 17 i'm sure he would have done some stupid things acting immaturely like much of us do when we were younger when we were teenagers and knew everything it's like they say ali you should get on it right now while you still know everything He was 39 years old when, when uh, his brothers came up to him <clears throat> asking for food during that drought. He was 41 years old, two years later, when, when they came back with his younger brother and his father, when he finally had all of his brothers and his fathers there, 24 years later. And we know that he went through some rough stuff. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. They were going to kill him, but one of the brothers talked him into just not killing him, and then they sold him behind that brother's back. Then things start going well. You remember, he's doing well. He's raised up as that slave in that household. And uh, then, then the wife accuses him of rape. And they throw him in prison. Man, God told me an awesome plan for me. Then I get thrown in, in slavery. But wait, now things are working out. Maybe God was, okay, I see God moving. And then he gets thrown in prison. At that point, you're thinking, maybe I, I misread the dream. Maybe... Maybe God doesn't really have what he said. I mean, because obviously this looks nothing like the dream. I'm in prison. But then he, gets, he rises up to be the second in charge over all of Egypt. The Pharaoh lifts him up. And then he has the opportunity to, to, to fulfill that vision God gave him and, and actually save his family. He was able to feed his family and save them. But he wouldn't have been able to do that if he wouldn't have been tested, if he wouldn't have the opportunity to be strengthened and grow. What about 1 Samuel 16, 12 through 13? This is David we're talking about. It says, So he sent him, sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. So this is when David, 15 years old, is anointed as the king of Israel. Anybody know when he actually got to take the throne? He was 30. (laughs) 15 years for them. This one, the prophet. 
came and anointed him and said, you're going to be king. And for 30 years, or 15 years, nothing happens. He's not. Matter of fact, the king is constantly trying to kill him. Multiple times, Saul tried to kill David. And then there was even a couple times when David had the opportunity to kill Saul. David could have went forward, killed Saul, took his throne. But do you think David would have been ready at, at, at uh, 16 or 17? In the, I think it was in his early, before he was 20, I think he had an opportunity to kill Saul. But David wouldn't have been ready at that time. David wouldn't have been strengthened and had the opportunity to grow if he would have tried to take things into his own hands. And I thank God that he did it, didn't because we find that Jesus actually comes from the lineage of David. But what if he had, he had done it his own way? What if he took matters into his own hands? I think his kingdom would have collapsed under its own weight, and so would he have. And then finally we see that even Jesus walks according to the plans of God. So, so Jesus said to them, My time is not yet here, but your time is always opportune. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify it that its deeds are evil. Go up to the feast yourselves and do not go up to this feast because my time has not yet fully come. There was even timing involved in the ministry of Jesus. I mean, once Jesus realized what he was there to do, I think me personally would be in the mindset of, uh, yeah, let's just go get this over with. You know? And then we find out later, he's like, God, if, if there's any other way we can do this, let's do it. If any way to take this cup from me, please do so. He was a man just like us, but he still walked in the plan and timing of God. You know, if, if he would have somehow made it happen earlier, if he would have just gave himself up earlier, he wouldn't have been able to raise up his disciples. And where would the church be today if it had not been done according to God's plan? If, if Jesus would have just been sacrificed, we would all have forgiveness of our sins, but no opportunity to respond to the free gift that God has given us because the church would have never been grown. You know, just like all of these mighty men of the Bible, we're going to continue to trust in God and let him move in our lives. And we're going to see the great things that happen when we operate according to the plan of God. In Habakkuk 2, 2 through 3, it says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Record the vision and inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run, for the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens towards the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. Let me give you a quick outline of Habakkuk. First, the prophet asked God why there's so much evil in Judah, and why is he not doing anything about it? And then God says, well, the Babylonians are going to come and basically enslave the entire Jewish people as a result of the wickedness. And then the prophet asks, well then how are you going to use the Babylonians who are a wicked people who are much more unrighteous than we are to punish us? And finally God says that they're going to get theirs as well and Judah will be delivered. So basically what's happening here is, is he had just told this prophet this vision and he says, write it. I want you to write this down. The Babylonians are coming but then they're going to get theirs and Judah will be free. Judah will be free. Israel will be free. 
He says, write it down, because the vision is yet for the appointed time. You know, as soon as God spoke this, it didn't just happen like that. It wasn't like they woke up the next morning and all this had happened. It took time for this vision to be worked out. It took time for it to happen. And matter of fact, the, the writer of Hebrews even says that this refers to Jesus Christ coming to not just, uh, free, the, the, not just free the Israelites from the Babylonians, but Jesus is freeing us from oppression of the enemy, of our enemy, of the devil. In, 10, in Hebrews 10, 32-37, it says, Remember the former days when after being enlightened you endured a great conflict of suffering, partly by being made a public spectacle through the reproaches, reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers of those who are so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the siege of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which is a great reward, for you have need of endurance. There's that word endurance again. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he is coming, will come, and will not delay. That part right there, he's coming and will not delay, is actually a quote from Habakkuk. And the truth is the same is true for Living Hope Family Church. God has given us a vision for this city and for the people in it. <clears throat> and I believe that he's already given us this city, that we are going to be able to reach many men and women who, who are broken and hurting and need Jesus. And even when it seems like this is tearing, know that it's going to come because God has placed his vision in our heart and he is with us. And we'll, as long as we continue to trust him, he'll work through us to make his, his vision for our lives a reality. Amen? Then in Luke 14, 28 through through 32 it says for which one of you when he wants to build a tower does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it otherwise when he has laid a foundation is not able to finish all who observe it will begin to ridicule him saying this man began to build and was not able to finish or what king when he sets out to meet another king in battle will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000 or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. I want you guys to know that we're coming into this not being unaware of the cost. The truth is that, that as we move forward in this vision for God, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always, there's going to be a cost associated with it. And if we don't realize that there's a cost, if we don't count the cost, and we go heading blazing full bore into it, we're going to realize that we don't have the resources to do what we need to do. You know, if we could somehow blaze through and have a church of 200 people right now, we wouldn't have the resources to do what we needed to do. We wouldn't be able to, to handle what was coming. You know, the truth is, if you guys look at your lives now, everybody in this church and what you're doing and in being involved in this congregation, you look at how much you're putting into it, but then look back... Just when we first started, could you imagine that you'd be doing as much as you're doing now? Back then, did you think you'd ever be where you're at now, doing these kind of things, putting in the time that you're putting in and the outreaches and getting together in fellowship with one another and, and putting stuff together for Halloween outreaches and all this, this good work that we've put in for God? Had I asked you guys to do that from day one, you guys would all left. And I pushed pretty hard from day one, actually. <laughs> And now you look at what you're doing. And I look at the stuff going on in my life, you know, as, as we grow and we change things and we, we add more things and we do more outreaches and we've just added a music practice on Tuesday night so we can start building up the work. As we continue to add more and more stuff, 
if we were to do that all in the beginning, we wouldn't have been able to handle it. We wouldn't have been ready and prepared. We wouldn't have been... But now as God has strengthened us, as God has, has helped us, we're able to do these things and it's going to continue on just like that. But we have to, to count the cost. We have to understand that there will be a cost as we move forward. But we're going to be prepared. We're going to move in God's timing so that we're ready to handle it as it comes instead of moving out too fast, too far ahead and not be able to finish what we've started. We're in it till the end. We're in it. We're going to fight the good fight until the end. Amen. It's much like as we look, and we especially see it out here, in all the housing areas that are unfinished. You know, I think that the true cost of building out here wasn't really evaluated during the housing bubble. Remember the, the, the bubble in the market? Nobody was really looking at the true cost. They were just saw dollar signs and they were going left and right, building left and right. And we see it now as that all collapsed around us. We look and it's a lot right over here that's completely undeveloped. It's actually supposed to be part of, of this Rancho Miranda development. We have streets built that are developed ready to put houses on them but with no houses on them. We look around and we just see shells of what should be thriving communities because the cost wasn't counted in the beginning. You know, we don't want to put ourselves in that situation with this church. So we're going to keep moving forward at the pace that God has for us being prepared and ready to have the resources that we need to move into what God has planned for us. Amen. Then Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8 says, There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. A time to search and a time to give up is lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear apart. A time to sew together. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love. A time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Turns out these just aren't the words of that song. There is a season, turn, turn, turn. That, yeah, that, that, that song is actually almost verbatim <laughs> to this scripture. That's what it was written from. See, the thing is, there's a season for everything in our lives. There's times for us to grow individually, and there's times for us to, to branch out and move forward. And right now, we're, we're, we're in one of those seasons in our lives. And as a church... We're in one of those seasons in our ministry. In Zechariah 4.10, in the New Living Translation, it translates it like this. It says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. We have to be careful that we're not so having such a great desire to grow and move forward that we don't appreciate what we have right now. You know, we're in a season right now that a season of, of tightness as we grow together as a family and we come closer together as, as friends and family members. And, and uh, it's just been awesome for me because, like I said, when we first moved here, we, know, we knew nobody on this side of town. And, and now we're all getting to, to become so much closer and, and know one another and celebrate each other's lives. That's the season that we're in right now. We're also in a, in a season where each of us are, are growing individually, spiritually. The growth that we've seen in each and every one of us since we've come here has been amazing. 
And the truth is we need that so we can move forward and, and begin to, as we move into the next season, which is, I believe, the season that is coming up, and you'll, you'll notice that, that we've been seeing more people that, that uh, like Mario, and, and it's, you know, we have the opportunity to minister under their lives. There's another couple that called us recently that, uh, that you know, they need prayer and help in their lives as well. And you're going to see that the season is changing. We're going to start seeing growth. We're going to start seeing people moving in. And, and we needed this time of growth so that we can have the opportunity and be ready to minister them in an effective way. You know, the season is changing where we're going to have the opportunity to walk with and encourage others because of the growth that we've had. And I'm so thankful as we're moving through these seasons but also just want to make sure that we're not, uh, the, we're appreciating the season that we're in now because this is, this is a time that, that, if, that won't be there as it changes. This, this is going to change. It's not going to be the same. And we're going to reach the next season and, and, and we'll grow in that area and then things will change. The dynamics will change. And as we grow, things are going to continue to change. So we need to make sure that we're enjoying the time that we have now and not trying to rush ourselves and rush God. And in Luke 6, 16, 10 through 12, it says, He was faithful in a very little thing is also faithful in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous and also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Now, truthfully, this scripture is primarily focusing on finances. But the principle is the same for all areas of our lives. If we're faithful in what God has given us now, He's going to give us more to manage. He's going to give us more to work with. If we're faithful in this small body that we have here to do all that we can to reach the lost, even as we're small, and, and I believe we have. We're doing what it takes. We've done uh, these different outreaches. We've touched people's lives. We've ministered into people's lives. We've been to people's houses to pray with them. We've done all these things. We're, we're operating with what God has given us to do all that we can. And because we're faithful in those areas, you're going to see God being faithful to us. Do you remember the story of the talents in Matthew 25, 14 through 29? The, the slave that was given, they were all given uh, one talent. And the one slave made ten talents. And the one slave made five. And the one just buried it and gave him back his one. And you'll remember that the ones who, who, who took what they had and did something with it, they were giving what they had back to continue working with it. But not only that, the ones that weren't doing anything with the stuff, that was given to something else, to somebody else. The truth is, if we'll be faithful with what God has given us, He's going to continue to give us more to manage, and we're going to be able to continue to increase our sphere of influence and have a greater impact on the city around us. We also see that in order to be given that which is our own, we must show that we can be faithful with what belongs to another. This is kind of a side note, but if you ever want to be involved in a ministry of your own, this is what you do first. You're faithful in that which is another's. You know, and I know in my life and in Joseph's life, we spent many times sitting under, much time sitting under other people's ministries, working with them, working towards their vision. And I thank God as you guys invest into the vision that God has given me and you go forward, you're working in another man's field, that you're also going to have the same opportunity to have ministry work through your lives, to touch people's lives because you've been faithful in another man's field. God will give you your own. One thing I do know is that we'll continue to be faithful with what we have 
and continue to do all that we can. And I know God will be con continue to be faithful with us. Amen. And finally, the last scripture we're going to look at today is Galatians 6.9. It says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. This is such good advice to people that are trying to persevere and endure. Do not grow weary. So many times people give up right before they have a breakthrough. They give up right before God's about to move in their life. It'd be like planting, planting a seed, planting corn. And after two days, if it hasn't broke the surface, you're like, what's going on? So you just dig it up. You give it up and dig it up. And you see that it was beginning to sprout, but you just killed what was working. You know, we're going we're gonna to not, not be weary. We're going to continue to have faith. We're going to trust God. God is going to send people to this church so that we have the opportunity to minister to them. And we're going to continue to help people grow. You know, our, our ultimate goal is not necessarily numerical, numerical growth so that we can say we have a big church, but in the sense that we're helping individuals grow internally, grow spiritually, and the ability to, to work with more people to help them grow. That is our goal, is to lead people to Jesus so the kingdom of heaven grows, that God's church, not necessarily this church in particular, but the church of Jesus Christ grows. Amen. We will be patient. We will persevere. We're not going to let what's going on around us dissuade us or discourage us, but we're going to keep trusting God, knowing that he has a plan for our lives individually as well as a plan for this church. God's given Living Hope Family Church a vision for this city. And he will be faithful to deliver. Because we know in whom we trust. Amen. Praise God. Let's go ahead and uh, stand to our feet.